Custom Car Care. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We've got a lot to talk about. Not that we don't on normal days, but it's been a busy week this week, Sarah. Yeah. How have you been? I have been good. Well, you know, I thought we could kick the show off this morning talking about the winter weather that we experienced this week. It has been uh, unexpected, I guess. I didn't know that this was coming. They had kind of predicted that there was going to be just a very light chance of a dust. Which I think that's pretty much what we got. I think so, too. But I think that it was just the fact that the road conditions just got really crummy really Mm -hmm. quick. Yeah. People were just all over the place on the roads. It got very slick. So you were telling me on Thursday when you came in, you saw uh, many people slid off and then some folks in front of you pretty much had lost it. Is that right? Yes. So my husband had actually texted me right before I came into work, which I'm very thankful he did because it gave me a good heads up. And I saw five wrecks on my way to work. It typically takes me 30-ish minutes to get to the station from my house, and it took me an hour. Wow. It was insane. So had all the wrecks happened and you just happened upon them, or did you get to uh, be a spectator in some Yeah, I, I saw a few of them, wow. actually. Thankfully, there was only one really serious one yeah. that I did see, so hopefully that person is okay. It was a, a rollover accident, oh and it was in a very bad place right around a corner, and there's like some of those big rocks slash bluffs oh. on the side of the road, you yeah. know, where they had blasted for the highway. Yep. Uh, so it was in one of those areas and but there was all kinds of emt and fire and police they were working that scene so hopefully that person is okay yeah absolutely i did see a couple people spin out a couple people go into a ditch and it was madness that makes for a awful way to start your day. I was very like yeah. anxious, like gripping White the knuckle. wheel. Yes. Yeah. But thankfully, the people that were driving with me, they were all very cautious. Good. A lot of people had their hazard lights mm-hmm. on. A lot of people were going about 25. Yeah. And I think there was a group of about 20 of us that we just all kind of kept our distance and we all just... We're very careful, very cautious of Mm -hmm. the roads, and we all made it to uh, Springfield, at least. So hopefully everyone else got to their destination. For sure. For sure. So I had already a trailer and a car on my truck to head into work on Thursday. And as as I left, I had no idea. I saw the dusting, obviously, and I thought, ah, it'll be all right. You know, we've had more than this, and it didn't stick a few weeks ago. And as I left with the truck and trailer, you know, it's I was just in it was two wheel drive, uh, dual dually, and. I was spinning as I was leaving just with the extra weight with the trailer. And I thought, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. And so as I came into town, everything was going pretty good. Truck was doing well. Analog brake system. I always kind of do a safety check on that. So when I notice that it's going to be slick outside, one of my first things, because nobody ever uses their ABS or anti-lock brake system very often, is I do kind of a, a controlled check of that. And basically, I jab the brakes. And you should feel a pulsation in the pedal. You know, the headlights will dim a little bit, but you'll feel that ABS system. Have you ever experienced a skid? Yeah. In, okay. 
So the reason I do that is I want to make sure or know that that system's working or not working before I need it on a slick day like Thursday, because that system doesn't work very often. So I don't know, you know, if it's been six, eight months, none of that valving in there has has moved. So I want to kind of exercise it a little bit and, and check it. So I did that was making my way in, coming down uh, Republic Road there where it hooks up with West Bypass. Traffic's backed up, I mean, miles, and I can see uh, flashing lights up just as you get to West Bypass. So I pulled off, and there, there's a church there, and, you know, graciously borrowed their parking lot and did a nice, safe turnaround, and then cut over and came out by uh, James River and Highway 60, and it was the same deal there. It was just crawl. You were not to be in any kind of a hurry. And as I would try to accelerate from a stop with that extra weight and trailer and the whole deal, the truck would just spin most of the time. So that, I don't want to say it was black ice, but it sure was slick out there. And even though it didn't look like it is kind of what I had seen. Yeah, we had quite a few calls. I mean, it was just everywhere. Yeah. And I think it was just people were not expecting no, this. I sure wasn't. I wouldn't have chosen today to tow a car in for sure or, uh, you know, to make sure that I would have been safer when I had done that. I would have just left it at home and come on in a normal vehicle instead of trying to push it a little bit. But I didn't realize it, nor did I think or or hear the forecast that Thursday was going to kind of be like that. So, Yeah. Well, other news on Thursday, I also got to use my emergency kit oh, you in did. my vehicle. Yes. All right. Well, you got to give me the 411 on that. I know. Well, we had a coworker here at the station that ran out of gas oh, and goodness. they were just right down the road. Ah. Like you could see their vehicle. No kidding. Yes. So it was kind of like, dang it, you were so close. Yeah. But thankfully I had a gas can. In wow, the back of my car. Awesome. So it was zip tied up at the very top to for like the little spigot thing yep. so you can like, you know, attach it later on. And I needed a knife to cut that uh-huh. when we got to the gas station. Nice. And I had a knife too. That's awesome. I know. So I felt very uh, prepared. Yeah. I felt really good. Yeah, because the alternative in those situations when you're not you know, I, we've talked many times about this because I've been in a situation where I wasn't prepared and something happened. It's just uh, to say it's a bummer deal is like an understatement, the stress and like, what am I going to do? And you're holding up traffic and you don't have time for this or whatever the, you know, the snafu is. So the fact you had all that, that's awesome. I know. I felt really good. I thought, oh, I'm going to have to tell Dustin yeah, about this because well done. it has officially come in handy. It, it's amazing, you know, the the longer I, or the older I get, I guess, the more uh, experiences you have and you learn from the experiences typically that don't go well. And, and so you carry extra things, whether, you know, I, I not only carry some extra fuel, which kudos to you for that. Um, I carry a 12-volt a, a air compressor because I hate having tire problems. Um, I also carry a lot of extra fluids and tools, obviously. And so everybody kind of tailors that to whatever your life experiences are. So that's awesome. So why? So I guess this uh, prompts the question, have you been in a situation where you needed a gas can and didn't have it, or did you just kind of pick that up from somebody else? Actually, no. So I grew up in the country, yes. and I always knew, because as soon as we got out of Springfield, there was very few gas stations. Ah. And so if you needed gas, you made sure to get it. And I've always kept my gas tank about half full. I try to not let it get any That's bit lower. Well 
well done. Yes. Awesome. I always don't want to be in that situation, especially if it's colder outside and I get stalled somewhere or if it was like Thursday, if I would have went off the side of the road and I had to wait for a tow truck. I mean, that would have been a bad situation. Yeah. But no, my husband, actually, when we were in the process of moving, he had thrown a bunch of stuff in the back of my trunk. And so whenever we were finished moving... I noticed it back there and I thought, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and just keep this in here. It's brand new. It's never been used before. Why not? I had just kind of hoarded it and kept it back there. Well, and it's not been all that long. You know, it's not like it's been in there for years before the opportunity for you to kind of help out in a situation. So I think that's fantastic. Little sidebar from that. If you ever bring your car in to have it worked on by somebody, Please don't bring it in on complete walk, which walk it is what I call after the empty line, mm-hmm. because I cannot tell you how often that that happens. And depending on what it is, we have to take some extra time and then, you know, we put it on the bill, but we got to take it down to the gas station and put fuel in it. Um, as well as that's extremely hard on your fuel pump, which is a several hundred dollar repair. Um, You may know this from the show, Sarah, but I need to put this out there for everybody. When you run your car under a quarter tank, the the submerged electric pump uses the fuel as a coolant to keep that pump cool. And pretty much any of you out there listening, if you burn your fuel pump or overheat your fuel pump due to running too low on the fuel, um, anywhere from probably on the low end, 400 and on the high end, probably $1,200 Wow! for all these folks out there listening to have somebody install a good quality, not a, uh, you know, internet fuel pump. I had some folks here a while back, not like the, the price we had quoted for a good original replacement. And so they put, or had somebody put, I don't know, we didn't install it, uh, a fuel pump in it from God knows where. And it uh, lasted about a week, and they were stuck again. Oh, no. And so they were they were upset, and rightfully so, and they thought we had diagnosed it incorrectly, so they came back, and I got to, to kind of work with them on it. And very quickly, I was able to identify that they had bought a very subpar part. And so they did end up letting us fix it correctly the second time, and uh, they're still driving to this moment, as far as I know. So we got plenty more to talk about after the break. You've got to stay. Welcome back. You got Sarah and Dustin here in the studio. A1 Custom Car Care. We were talking about some winter unexpected weather, I suppose. Some highlights. I'm sure you all experienced a lot of that. Did you notice how did your car handle? Because we did quite a bit of work to your vehicle here. I believe we did some tire work. Yes. So how was your experience driving Thankfully, did not have any issues. I did feel my car catch a little bit, and that might have been either my new tires Mm -hmm. or that anti-lock brake system, but it did catch a little bit, kind of like a, almost like a stutter, Mm -hmm. if that's the best way to describe it. But yeah, other than that, I didn't have any issues, but I also drive like a grandma, and I took it nice and slow going into work. That's awesome. Yeah, I get paranoid when I drive on snow and ice. So when you were talking about some tires, I don't know how much, it's been a few months since we did some Mm -hmm. tire work for you, and you kind of said, hey, I want some capable tires or some, 
you know, tires that are going to deal with multi-season because you guys live out in the country. And so I got with Amanda, which is at our Sunset location, and her and I kind of went through a lot of the specs on the tires. And I think a lot of people sell tires off of cost a lot, which is important. I'm not, but it, it really gets into, and there's so much more information, you know, cost is a factor, but I don't want to save, you know, two or three bucks on a tire for somebody, you know, that needs an all season tire. So we were real picky with the uh, the tread pattern for your tire, the all-season part of it, as well as the wear rating on that. And so a lot of folks, when you're you're looking at tires, people are shopping over price, which is, which is great and important. But specifically with yours, you and I had had that discussion. So Amanda and I went through and basically said, yeah, that's a candidate. This is a candidate. Okay, these tires fit the bill. And then we made a good decision. Um, and so I'm really happy about that. And so yeah. I wanted to get your honest feedback on that. You um, picked the right ones. Yeah, that's awesome. And I do that for myself as well. Um, I know we need to talk about a question from one of our listeners. And a big part of what I do is going to kind of dovetail into this question. So, Sarah, do you have that by chance? Sure. Yep. Um, the question comes from Michael, and the subject is diesel trucks. Mm-hmm. He says he's looking to buy a three-quarter ton truck for business use pulling his trailer. Trailer is fully loaded, and it's approximately 7,000 pounds. What setup would you recommend? I lean towards either Dodge or Ford. I know the 6.0 liter has issues, and there are some years of the 5.9 liter to avoid, so I heard. Appreciate a nudge in the right direction, please and thank you. Enjoy your Saturday morning show. So this is like one of my favorite topics to talk about. And so if I nerd out too much, Sarah, please reel me back in I know. And he mentions trailers, so there you go. You catch me gawking out there, it's going to be at a trailer most of the time. I have a great affinity for trailers. However, I need to re-listen to... Michael's question. So um, there are some lot of great options out there. And if you're looking at a used truck, that's a good option. And I'm going to dive into that. However, the used market, as Sarah and I have talked about so many times, is extremely inflated at the moment due to supply and demand. Um, I don't want to get down on a rabbit hole too much there. I think everybody listening out there probably by now has been exposed to that. So some of our folks out there, and I have a lot of friends that are, you know, uh, looking to get a new to them or a new vehicle. Sometimes it's cheaper to buy a brand new vehicle right now and just wait a little bit because the used market is, you know, you may be a few thousand dollars difference and get a factory warranty on a vehicle. But if we are going with a diesel setup, which I'm a big fan, so I personally own an LB7 Duramax big fan of that that has been a rock star um yesterday as a matter of fact uh, i was using it and it rolled over three hundred and fifty thousand miles on the original drivetrain in this truck so very capable great option a little bit more difficult to work on um but it's a good option and i wouldn't write that one away then we get into the ford platform <clears throat> i actually own two diesel personal vehicles of mine they are 7.3, uh, they're later than 99, so they're turbo diesel powered uh, with an intercooler. And those have been rock stars for me as well. I have one in my expedition, or I'm sorry, excursion, that is at 440 and some change, and the other one has a new replacement engine in it, and I think it uh, the chassis had a little over 200 on it. Uh, I've converted it into a dump truck. So 
Um, there, those units are getting a little older, and so the, everything around the engine is going to be a challenge. If you go that route, I'm talking wiring harnesses, I'm talking AC systems, cooling systems. Um, not that they're a bad option, because I am a big fan of the 7.3. Uh, that's probably one of Ford's best, most robust engines out there as far as diesel-powered and towing capability. The 5.9 in a Dodge is awesome. I do have to say, there are many generations of each one of these vehicles. You are correct. I think it's the 59 casting block. Don't quote me on that. If you want to look into what the best casting for a 5.9 or what the worst casting is, I'm sure you can Google it. Uh, but there were certain castings of those engines that were done at a plant that the casting actually wasn't very good. And you would have fractures or, you know, problems with the block itself, which is certainly something if I'm looking for a new to me truck, I want to know before I jump in that and buy those vehicles. Uh, but the 5.9 Dodge, I don't know that there's anything better out there for just robust dependability and really just working the tar out of it. So here's where I'm going to throw some of the caveats against each one of these. The 5.9 Cummins engine that you can pretty much only find in a Dodge is fantastic however the rest of the drivetrain and i know i'm going to get some haters out there but the chassis around that engine really is going to take a lot of love and upkeep to keep going so i'm talking ball joints steering gear transmission problems whether it's an automatic or manual um, and rear differentials not that they're weak but being able to handle the torque output of that cummins engine is going to take its toll on everything. So if I buy a used one, I'm going to be very critical and understand that, hey, either I'm going to have to really pay up front on one that's been well taken care of, or if I buy one that hasn't, I'm going to have to get it at a price point that I understand that I'm going to have a lot of either personal time and effort and sweat equity in it, or I'm going to have to have the budget to make sure and take it to somebody that's capable of knowing and taking care of a lot of these issues. So 5.9's great option, not crazy about the transmission or the chassis setup on those. If you end up with the right one, great. If not, you know, that's going to cost you in the long run. The 6 liter was part of his question as well. There was roughly three to four generations of the 6 liter. The early generations, and I'm going to talk about late 03, early 04 models, 05 those were very problematic. So 06 to 07, 08-ish, they cr uh, corrected some of those problems. And then on up from 08 to 10, they really did a much better job giving you a more dependable vehicle. Um, if you need any information on a 6-liter, I would urge folks to seek out PowerStrokeHelp.com. I have no affiliation with it. It's just something that is probably the best information on the internet for power stroke information out there, especially pertaining to a six liter, as well as Bill Hewitt is the guy that owns the shop. The guy is a pioneer in problem solving those particular trucks, as well as from, I believe it was 010, uh, 2011, Ford decided to go to a 6.4 liter which is an absolute disaster. You almost couldn't give me one of those trucks personally. And unfortunately, some of you probably out there have been exposed to this. 
they run very well up to maybe a hundred thousand miles and after that they're such a catastrophic failure and they're so expensive and so difficult to get parts for basically it ruins that vehicle and the the rest of the truck the transmission the chassis the interior on those you know late 2010 into i think 2012 um, those trucks were beautiful trucks however that engine and the cost to keep it on the road is it's just not worth it and that's really sad because those trucks were awesome but i see them with blown engines all the time going for like six thousand dollars and that's probably a sixty seventy thousand dollar truck not that long ago now ford went into the six seven which is a really good option you're going to pay for it but they run good they get fair to mediocre mileage um, honestly you're going to get better fuel economy a fuel economy probably with a six liter due to the emissions that has been put on those six sevens um, and i would say something similar uh, generational with the uh, 6.6 liter Duramax. Um, as far as through the entire time of the Duramax, the the uh, like I said, I have a um, LB7, which is the first generation. That's going to be roughly your 2000 to 0304, and then you had LLY. There's been many generations, but the dependability of those has been absolutely awesome. They really haven't had as many growing pains, if you will keeping up with the emissions regulations that has been put on the diesel market. Um, that's actually an Isuzu uh, base engine. Isuzu's been building diesels forever um, and definitely a great option. The latest generation is L5P, done very, very well. Sarah, I know we need to take a break. I'm going to have to get a little bit further into this after we come back. Welcome back. I got a little bit more to talk about. You've got Sarah and Dustin in here, A1 Custom Car Care. Hopefully the last segment I didn't get too excited about or it hopefully made sense. I believe we left off with the Duramax. Um, so if I'm to, to roll this up in a nice nutshell, and I'm going to give you a couple caveats at the end of this, and Sarah, I promise I won't go too far into this, but um, so pretty much any generation um, of the Duramax there are some known problems with each generation. I know the LB7, I got a really good deal on this truck because it needed injectors, uh, which is very labor intensive on this particular engine and very expensive. But I got a good buy. I basically bought it uh, or did some wheeling and dealing and horse trading for it on the front side in to where I was in good shape that I could financially responsibly put the money in getting the truck taken care of. And that's been not quite two years ago, but uh, it's been a great truck uh, before and after the injector installation. I have towed this thing to Des Moines, Iowa several times out past Wichita, Kansas, St. Louis, down into Arkansas, towing heavy loads, done me a great job. As you get past the LB7, you get into the LLY, LBZ, etc. You shift to an externally uh, located fuel injector, which is a great improvement. So that's a big plus to look at these Duramaxes. I know maybe that wasn't on your list. Uh, if I got a later generation 6 liter, that would be a decent option. Again, PowerStrokeHelp.com 
will answer even more of your questions in depth than what I have been able to on the radio here. Um, I'm a huge fan. The Cummins, I got to give that absolute rock star credit. However, I'm going to understand that I'm going to have chassis work. I'm going to have transmission work. I'm going to have differential work that I don't necessarily see on the other uh, makes and models quite as often. I'm also going to understand that the used market right now in those those vehicles are bringing a premium. I don't know what your situation is, but I may entertain going new. As well as, there's a couple of really cool things in the later model pickups out there for towing capacity that don't push you into a diesel. Depending, and I know you said it's around 7,000 pounds, the Ford 6.2 liter gas engine is a good option. I'm a big fan of those engines. They have done very well. You're going to find them in the three-quarter ton, probably the one ton, and then in the Raptors um, up to a certain year, as well as the Ford V10. That engine gets some hate out there, but I've had some really good experiences with those. They get pretty crappy fuel mileage. However, the torque rating is pretty good. Most of your uh, U-Haul chassis, the van chassis, have a V10 in them, and those things take a beating, of course, in a U-Haul. Anybody that's rented one knows that uh, people don't love on those too, too much. However, that V10 has done a pretty doggone good job out there. Um, I'm a fan of it. There's a lot less maintenance and upkeep, and the cost of repairs on any gas engine is going to be probably... 50 to 60% less than any diesel out there, as well as there's more people that will do service work and maintenance um, versus having to find specialized trained folks to work on a diesel. So that's very, uh, very important. Um, not every mechanic or technician is created equal. So if you so choose to get into a diesel, something or other, make sure you know who's working on it. And very lastly, the two things that I'm most excited on the new 2021-2022, Ford and Chevy have both come out with big displacement gas engines. So Chevy has a 6.6 liter gas engine, uh, not been out long enough really to make a good judgment. So I would assume it's going to do pretty well. However, the Ford has a 7.3 liter gas engine that has come out. They call it the Godzilla engine. And from all the specs that I have or have looked at out there. It is not overhead cam. It's overhead valve. It is not variable valve timing. Um, anybody that's experienced or worked with those knows that they're fairly problematic. So that is not even part of this engine. It is not direct injected. It's port injected. It also has got bigger um, exhaust studs, which has been an Achilles heel for all the manufacturers. It's also got the piston squirters such as a diesel has to keep that engine cool under heavy working conditions. So hopefully that helped. Sarah, did any of that make sense? Not to me, but I'm sure to Michael it probably did. I hope it made sense out there to a lot of folks out there. I know there's a lot of people pulling campers mm -hmm. and boats and working trailers and whatnot. That's a big part of what I do. I'm a, I, it seems like I'm towing all the time, something or other. I know once we got into the camper market, I had a big learning curve. I needed to to, to uh, level up on my ability to tow, uh, to do it safely and dependably. 
And so hopefully that helps Michael out there. I think so. And this is a really great transition for what I want to talk about next, because right now you are towing something right here at the station. And I asked you about it and uh, it was very interesting, the response that you got. And I thought we should talk about this on the show. I I never really thought about it. So I, I showed up here. I have my Duramax with an 18 foot car trailer. It's a 7,000 pound capacity car trailer and I have a PT Cruiser on it. And Sarah, you were like, what in the world are you doing with a PT Cruiser? And long story short, we do some work with some shops um, in other locations. And somebody basically brought this for us to service and very quickly just decided, hey, I don't want this car anymore. And that kind of struck you a little funny. Yeah, they just left it at the shop. And that happens from time to time. Not all the time. Most people want to keep their cars. They, They, I don't know whether they didn't have the means or what it was. But they just said, no, nope, I don't want the car anymore. And I'm not in the used car business, by the way. So please don't bring me all your broke down <laughs> cars uh, that you don't want anymore. I'll fix them, obviously. A1 Custom will. But, you know, from time to time, probably one of the best stories I had, Sarah, I had a lady and she was from another country. And I don't know that wherever she was from, they had cars personally. They probably had a public transit system that was what they relied on. So she had run her car off the road and like leveled everything under it. The oil pan was flat, the transmission pan, all the suspension. And so she had it towed in. And I can remember her say, you put in dumpster, you, you put in dumpster. And I I didn't understand. She wanted me literally to stick it in our dumpster there at Fort Street and just throw it away. Oh my goodness. She didn't want to fix it. And I'm like, well, that's not, I mean, it doesn't work that way. And so we were able to work with somebody and get her car disposed of because she didn't want to do that. But that was one of the first times I ever ran into it. But occasionally people get in a situation where they don't want to deal with the car anymore. So they bring it to the shop. They want to know what's wrong with it. Um, Sometimes they're nice cars. This PT Cruiser, you know, the PTs I'm not a big fan of. They have had some struggles. Uh, But they basically, once it got past a couple hundred bucks of what we, you know, saw that it needed attention they basically just brought us a title and said, dispose of the car. And I know that's kind of weird, but people don't want to deal with selling it or getting rid of it. And as long as I have a title on the car, I can at least dispose of it. But, you know, unfortunately, I have people that will just abandon the cars and not answer their phone or come in and leave me some way that I obtain uh, ownership of the vehicle. And then we can get it disposed of Or sometimes we will. um, It's been a couple years now, but we had a situation where somebody had left a vehicle like this and they were gracious enough to make sure we had the title. And so my technicians and, and the company shared in the reconditioning of that vehicle, and we donated it to a charity a couple oh, years ago. Oh, that's really great. Uh, I think it was Lighthouse Ministries, I think mm-hmm. is the name of it. Um, and it went to a single mom uh, who needed a vehicle. And I, I love doing that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we can't do it every single day, but I like to do it from time to time. Um, and so the technicians and I kind of, you know, on our off time, we did the repairs it needed and made sure it was a good, good vehicle. And we were able to donate. So I don't know that that's what we're going to do with this one. I need to get it in and see what's going on with it. Um, but that's been a, uh, when I have them abandoned on me and I really don't have any money in them and I can get a title, that's always something at the front of my mind is, you know, Hey, I like saving these vehicles. I hate, uh, seeing them go to the crusher or go, do you you ever drive over, um, I think it's on Kansas just past division and you see the scrap yard Mm -hmm. to the right there Yep, every day. 
So sometimes there's some really good vehicles in there that I know somebody could, and and I I, I wish I had the flanter, whatever that word is, budget to just fix everything and give cars away. We don't have that, but we can do it from time to time. But when I see a vehicle we're saving, um, if we don't have a lot in it, you know, that's always a good candidate for those kind of things to where, you know, you don't have $20,000 in a, in a $5,000 car. So yeah, it happens from time to time where they just leave them and I got to figure out what to do with them. And that's the best answer I've come up with so far. Yeah, that just blows my mind because my first thought is whenever we had to um, get rid of the Danger Ranger yep. was we took it back home and we had to figure out, are we going to fix this later down mm-hmm. the road? Because we're having a kid and maybe that'll be a good potential vehicle yeah. for him one day. Or are we going to do something where we sell it to like pick and pull, for instance, or even sell it on Facebook Marketplace because the used market is crazy Mm -hmm. right now. Even for vehicles that have problems. Yeah. Yeah. And so we thought about that. We also thought about just, you know, scrapping it for metal. Yeah. And uh, fortunately, it is still being a yard ornament. But, you know, that that's kind of like the process that my mind went Mm -hmm. through, uh, not just leaving it at the shop. Yeah. And and I'm not sure. I think people just don't want to deal with disposing of it in some way. I think because I'm not that guy either. I'm the you know I can't tell you how many vehicles I've hauled into the scrap over the years. And and I will say in defense of the Danger Ranger, later sometimes I'm like, dang, I shouldn't have scrapped that thing. So uh, I know that has a big sentimental value to you and Ryan both. But uh, that's a big big deal. We gotta take a break. We gotta take a break. We'll be back. Don't know where the night might lead. Welcome back. We got Sarah Dustin. We've had a lot to talk about, Sarah. I know. It's been a, a kind of an interesting uh, show. You know, we've had some weather this week. We've had some questions from the listeners, which we appreciate very much. That's awesome. And speaking of weather, I do believe, I think it's Wednesday Uh-oh. that we're supposed to get like three to five inches what? of snow. Yeah, so I like me some snow. I know you do. (laughs) So uh, if you are out there thinking, oh, gosh, maybe I need to get prepared. Now is definitely the time. Hopefully those numbers will dwindle because I absolutely hate dealing with snow. But just be prepared for sure. And with your, you know, as we were kind of doing some service work for you and Ryan this last year, um, you know, we talked about tires earlier in the show. I get an email probably every week with the inflation bug biting the tire market. And, you know, as we get into a lot of times people choose to do tires, you know, sometimes it's a, excuse me, a have to, you know, something happens and I got to buy tires. But most people I see this time of year, they wait until the winter and then they invest in tires. Um, I would say if you're on the fence about buying tires, the sooner the better right now. Uh, I know personally there's some tires that uh, I I go through, I guess, quite often. It's my trailer tires because I do so much towing. Those tires have gone up over $25 in the last probably 12 months. And the tires that we did for you earlier, you saved a pretty good amount doing them then versus now. So if you're out there, whether we do your tire work or you have somebody else to do it, I don't. Just, this isn't about us. This is about you, basically, at this point. Um, if you're on the fence and you continue to wait you are going to continue to pay more money at the time that you need those. And so not no gloom and doom. This is reality. Inflation is uh, rearing its ugly head in different uh, 
it's worse, I think, in different categories, and tires is definitely, definitely one of them. Speaking of inflation mm-hmm. and just craziness that's it going is. on in this world, I pulled this story to talk about because I like to try to do at least one in the news yeah, for sure. stories during our show. This is from AP. This was announced on Tuesday. Okay. The U.S. warns that chip shortage could shut down factories. Yeah. And that is a very real thing because of just the amount of shortages that we have seen in the last year and a half. Well, I think you had a story a couple weeks ago, if I remember right, Toyota had actually announced that they were cutting back on their yep. production. Yep. And so it's it's happening. Of course, everybody knows what's going on over, you know, in the Asia area. Uh, it's Taiwan, I think, or is it Taiwan? There's, I don't know, there's some conflict with China over there. I should have mm-hmm. my, my notes better. I'm sure you all out there know it better than I do. But basically, they make uh, over 50% of the chips for the world consumption. So the more turmoil we have over there in Asia and obviously what's going on kind of with Russia, um, all of that, because we're such a consumer-based country, and I know we're getting a little political here, but uh, the reality is it's going to cost us money if nothing else. And I realize it could get bigger at this point in time. You know, time will tell. But the bottom line, typically we end up footing the bill on a lot of that shenanigans, at least in my experience. So to your point with the chips, I mean, you think about all the things that have chips in them that we deal with on a daily basis. And it mentions that in this article as well. It's not just chips for vehicles. Mm -hmm. It's the medical community as well. They wrote that uh, demand for chips was up 17% last year from 2019. I sure hope and pray at this point that some of that, you know, obviously when there's demand, there's opportunity, right? Um, the the demand for the chip right now, I would think, would incentivize some domestic manufacturers to start ramping up. And I realize that doesn't happen immediately to build a facility and hire and train and all that takes months, if not years. Uh, but to get some of this stuff domestic would be fantastic. Our uh, you know, food and drug consumption coming from overseas is a big exposure, in my opinion, as well as this chip. I mean, uh, you know, the supply chain has exposed some serious weaknesses, you know, that we depend on other folks that, you know, as long as there are allies, everything's great. But the moment we don't uh, dance to their tune, we get a lot of problems. So definitely something to think about. I'm definitely glad you pulled that up has that been on the news quite a bit have you seen a Um, lot of stories with that? yeah a couple and another thing that it mentions that i do also want to throw out there that's somewhat related they also did a survey of 150 companies that use semiconductors and these companies say that they are down to around five days of inventory when it comes to semiconductors my goodness yes so that is also another shortage that we are definitely seeing that's you know having an impact my 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 definitely definitely you know when i first got in the business a lot of times we just replaced things you know, we'd get a new whatever and you put it in there. But prior to that, my dad was a dealership technician for years. They rebuilt things a lot. And we're, I see us reverting kind of back to that where I'm tearing things apart. And hopefully if I can get parts, we're having to renew what we have right there on the vehicle. So I see that becoming a more and more uh, common or I guess... You know, things are cyclical sometimes, you know, what you did years ago, you see come back and all of a sudden it's the new thing now, but you were doing it, you know, 20 years ago or decades ago. 
So definitely something that's that's interesting. That's why I love the automotive industry so much. It keeps you on your toes. I know that probably irritates a lot of people that it changes. Um, you know, I have a lot of folks where, you know, you open the hood and you can't find or recognize a lot of components that, you know, somebody that, you know, used to work on cars, you know, you could see the alternator, you could see the intake. And now it's all so intertwined. And, you know, we're disassembling vehicles much, much further for service where, you know, back in the day I'd pull an engine, you know, open the hood and we'd pull the engine out. Now I'm pulling the body off of the vehicle and having to do service in there. So the the intricacy has definitely been a bigger deal. It's much more complex, but the dependability really has been pretty good. You know, you don't really blink an eye at a 200 plus thousand mile vehicle anymore. And when I was a kid... You know, at 100,000, you were throwing those vehicles in the trash. Um, and I think about that kind of back to your your point earlier about the yard ornament. You know, there were, there's a lot of vehicles out there that people discarded and threw away. And now the premiums that even some non-running models, you know, are bringing because they're so hard to come by anymore is just crazy. You know, people buying these rusted out just Swiss cheese vehicles and restoring them back to tip-top quality some of those things are bringing 80, 90, 100,000 and to buy those vehicles new back in the day they were 3500 bucks. You know that's funny that you say that. I don't know how this even happened, but on Facebook Marketplace, I see a lot of used vehicles yeah. and it kind of generates, you know, the they're always listening. Oh, so they are. I'm like maybe they're listening <laughs> while we do the yeah, show. I'm sure they are. And that's why I see so many used vehicles, but I've noticed quite a few Older vehicles, some of which aren't even running, Mm -hmm. or some that have been restored by people, and they are bringing in thousands and thousands of dollars. Big money. A lot more, you know, and I think about like some of the vehicles I, I thought were worth nothing, and I scrapped them when I was younger. Man, I'd like to have some of them back now because they have not only, you know, they talk about the depreciation when you buy a vehicle and you drive it off the lot, it loses all of its value. That sure is not happening right now. Those things are bringing a premium right now. It's just, it's really incredible to, uh, I guess, just pay attention. You know, I don't think it does any good to bury your head in the sand and think, oh, this will all blow over. Hopefully it does someday. But with with, uh, the demand, sometimes there's good opportunity out there. So riddle me this. So, you know, you guys haven't, I guess, decided what to do with the Danger Ranger yet, uh, or maybe you have. But what if in like uh, you know another ten years that truck was worth like fifteen thousand bucks? I would cry. Yeah, <laughs> that would be terrible for us if we were to scrap it. I know, and 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 I think that's you know it speaks to the climate. You know, I think about you know obviously I grew up through the eighties and nineties. Uh, it was such a dis- eh, maybe even into the two thousands. It's such a disposable time. You know, yeah. if it didn't work, you threw it away and you got another one. Uh, right now, you got to really watch what you're throwing away. And I don't want to say, obviously, I have zero experience other than what history shows us as far as the Great Depression or the Great Recession. And I don't want any of that to scare anybody. But I also don't want people to bury their head in the sand. You know, back then they were, uh, you know, basically figuring things out. You didn't throw things away. You figured it out or you hung on to it. And I know I'm guilty of that, hanging on to things too much, but uh, sometimes they come in handy. So I don't know, food for thought. You guys can write us in and tell us what you think about 
all the the hanging on to things, the pack rat things. <laughs> there you go. Well, if you guys do have any questions out there, it doesn't matter how big or small, we will take them. You can shoot us a text message on the talk and text line 417-447-5743 or you can shoot us a message on the KSGF Facebook page 1041KSGF. We also have a new social media, Getter. Hey. Oh. Yep, that is at 1041KSGF. Dustin, it's kind of like uh, Twitter. You'll have to explain But for uh, conservatives. I still don't understand so, Twitter. <laughs> if you do have questions out there, we want to see them. I hope you have a good weekend.